This week, we continue our walk down the Faith Hall of Fame, looking at the faith of our fathers. We'll be picking up in Hebrews 11, verses 23 to 27, where the focus of faith is on courage. As we explore this text this morning, may we be encouraged by the faith of our fathers, of those who have gone before us. May their walk encourage us in ours. May we be blessed by the word of the Lord this morning. We read the word of the Lord, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 to 27. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead To his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Thus ends the reading. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. Pray this in your name. Amen. Many of us are familiar with the story of Dorothy Gale and her little dog, Toto. Their house was plucked from the Kansas countryside and dumped in Munchkinland in the land of Oz by a tornado, no less. In order to return home, our young heroine is told to follow the yellow brick road to the Emerald City where the Wizard of Oz can help her with her predicament. Along the way, she picks up a few companions who are also hopeful that the wizard can help them as well. There's the tin man who wishes for a heart, the scarecrow who desires a brain, and the cowardly lion who longs for courage. When I was a kid watching this movie, I liked the lion least of all. He just seemed really lame. The tin man was... Tall, made of mellow metal, and, and had an axe. Pretty cool. The scarecrow walked funny and talked funny and was, well, just kind of funny. The lion, though? Dude had a bow in his hair. What kind of respectful lion walks around with a bow in his hair, cries all the time, and doesn't have any courage? I didn't have much respect for the lion. And our culture celebrates courage, doesn't it? Our movies, books, TV shows, video games, the stories we make up while we play with our toys and the stories we tell around the campfire at night are all full of characters who are standing up against the odds, who are being courageous in the face of danger, who are overcoming their fears for the sake of good. We love, we respect a brave person. Here in the States, we're told it's in our DNA, right? It's, it's in our national anthem, the land of the free and the home of the brave. And then everyone cheers. 
We aren't encouraged to aspire to be the sidekick. We're encouraged to be the hero. We're encouraged to be the one that stands up against injustice. We are encouraged to fight for what is right, to use our inner strength to protect and defend those who need protection, those who need a hero, someone to have courage for them. Often when we think of courage in heroes, we think of like Marvel and DC action heroes, right? We think of superheroes with superpowers and the conviction to do what's right. Heroes like Captain America, Spider-Man, Black Panther, and Wonder Woman. And those that don't have superpowers, they got a ton of money and a chip on their shoulder like Batman or Tony Stark. But something I've found interesting lately is that there has been an influx of anti Hero stories, stories about heroes that are not using their powers for good, but for their own benefit. And so it is left to the regular person, the average Joe. It is left to the people like you and like me, those without superpowers, to become the hero, to be brave, to be courageous, and to put a stop to those who have superpowers from abusing their powers. Our culture celebrates courage. As long as that courage is on display for a culture-approved message. Standing up against injustice? Check. Protecting the weak? Culture-approved. Calling out and opposing corruption? Gold star. But what if we are showing courage in something that isn't culture-approved? How does our culture respond to the concept of absolute truth. Not well. Not well. We don't, we don't like that. How does our culture feel about total depravity? The idea that we are all born sinful and broken and that we don't start off as good and then slowly get corrupted, but that we are corrupted from conception. Yet culture really doesn't like that. How about when we say that the only way to be free from this corruption is to have faith in Jesus, that Jesus is the true superhero, and that each and every one of us needs his power to be saved, to be made right before God and to go to heaven. Yeah, culture hates that. Not a fan. Our culture is increasingly hostile towards the Christian faith. And so though it is not culture approved, we are called to have courage In our walk with the Lord, we are called to have courage in proclaiming the truths of our faith in spite of the fact that those around us do not share our convictions and our beliefs. We are called to stand out. We are called to action with the characters in our text this morning. Today we meet one of the most famous characters in the Bible. Whether you know your Bible well or barely at all, whether you grew up in the church or rarely attended or or didn't attend, chances are you are familiar with the character, with the name Moses. Moses is a massive figure in the Bible. He was Israel's greatest lawgiver. This is the dude that came down from Mount Sinai with instructions on tablets of stone that we now know as the Ten Commandments. Moses was Israel's greatest historian. He wrote all the books from Genesis to Deuteronomy, which contain the history of the people of Israel and the creation of the world. He was a prophet and a deliverer, one of the main figures in the Old Testament. And today we look at the beginning 
of his story. Moses was born during a time of great sorrow for the people of Israel. You see, Joseph brought his family, the forefathers of Israel, to Egypt that they might be saved from the seven years of famine that the Lord foretold would be coming. And so the people stayed in Egypt long after Joseph and his brothers were dead and gone. And the Lord blessed them. And they multiplied. They had a ton of kids. And the Bible tells us the land was full of them. That Egypt was full of Israelites. And then a new king came into power in Egypt who didn't know Joseph. And he saw how many Israelites there were and he freaked out. And so he enslaved the Israelites. He turned this free people into a massive workforce to keep them under his foot. To keep him in power and to make sure that they wouldn't turn against him and the people of Egypt. But the Israelites, man, they just kept having kids. They kept multiplying it. It got to the point where the new Pharaoh asked the Israelite midwives to kill the baby boys at birth. But the faith faith of the midwives wouldn't let them do that. And so they told Pharaoh that Israelite women, they just had babies too fast. And they couldn't get there in time to kill the little boys. So then Pharaoh's next move was to throw any Israelite boy that was born into the Nile River as food for the crocodiles. This is the setting into which baby Moses was born. And our text picks up this morning. You read in verse 23. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict, of the king's command, his direction, his instruction to throw these babies into the Nile. So let's talk about courage for a moment. The king Pharaoh has decreed that all baby boys get thrown into the river. And Moses' parents say no. And they hide him for as long as they can. So for three months. But this is a baby. I mean, babies do not cooperate. They are crazy unpredictable. They cry because they are hungry. They cry because they pooped. They cry because they are tired. They cry because they have gas. When your babies are young, half the time as a parent, you're really just a detective trying to figure out why your baby is crying. And three-month-old babies, they don't whimper. They don't softly coo in distress as a tear cutely and adorably rolls down their cheek. Now, these puppies wail. It's loud, it's ugly, and it's incredibly hard to hide. And so Moses' parents, they couldn't keep him hidden in their house any longer, so what do they do? They showed courage in ignoring the king's edict, and now they show courage in the solution to their problem. Some might argue that they didn't show courage, but that they showed desperation. And yet our text this morning says that it is by faith they performed these actions. And so it is the courage that is given them through faith that spurs their action. They do put their three-month-old baby Moses in the river. But they put him in a basket. And they coated it in pitch with tar so that it would float. And they set him in the river. This is the river where crocodiles feed. 
Mom and dad no longer have control over this baby or where this baby is going to end up. They push the little bird out of the nest because they know that they can no longer protect him. And they leave him to the mercy of the currents. But more than that, they leave their baby to the mercy of God. And his older sister, Miriam, follows the basket downstream to see what will happen to him. And so this basket of blankets and crying baby makes its way down the river and ends up by the palace. And who should hear the cries but the daughter of Pharaoh himself? She makes her way to the floating basket and takes out the little bundle of tears, discovers the little baby Moses and feels pity for the little guy. She recognizes that it is a little Hebrew baby and a little Israelite, but she decides to keep him for herself. But who will raise him? Who will raise him? And then another act of courage. The little girl, but the big sister, Miriam, jumps out of the reeds where she's been watching the whole thing go down and suggests that she might know of a Hebrew woman to nurse and take care of the baby boy that has stolen the princess's heart. Miriam couldn't know how this interaction was going to go down. The relationship between the Israelites and the Egyptians was not a good one, obviously. One was committing genocide against the other. And yet she courageously steps out from the reeds and offers her mother as a nursemaid for her little brother. Pharaoh's daughter agrees. And in fact, she decides to pay for Moses' care. And so little Moses is raised by his mother and father. He grows up being schooled, being taught the faith of his people, the faith in God, the faith of his forefathers. And his parents are paid by Pharaoh to do it. All because his parents and his sister were not afraid. They did not fear man, they feared God. They had faith in God's provision. They had faith in his promise. Do we show courage in our faith? Do we show courage in our faith? Once Moses reached a certain age, he was taken back to Pharaoh's daughter to live with her in the palace, separate from his people, as an Egyptian, and not just as any Egyptian, but as a prince. He finds himself in the lap of luxury with the entire world at his fingertips. And yet he is not content. He has all the things he could ever possibly want here on earth, and yet he is not content for the teaching of his parents has affected him. And we read in our text this morning that by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures, the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Even though every earthly desire could be provided to him, Moses was not content. For he did not identify as an Egyptian, but as an Israelite. Instead of getting caught up in what our text 
calls the fleeting pleasures of sin, instead of getting caught up in the physical joys of a harem, in the monetary joys of vast riches, in the escape of the best wines, or the lust for power, he instead looked out over the kingdom that could one day be his and identified with his people, with those in slavery. And he felt that abuse and that mistreatment. He refused to be seen as Pharaoh's grandson, and he refused the privilege and the power. And how do you think Pharaoh felt about that? This young Hebrew should have been killed in the first place, being brought into his own home, eating his food, drinking his drink, getting the pleasures that are provided only for those that are children of, of Pharaoh and then refusing the privileges of the house and the station that had been given to him. This made Pharaoh furious. This pompous young upstart, who does he think that he is? Who does he think he is? But our text today tells us that Moses did not fear Pharaoh. He did leave Egypt. He left the power and the temptation, the promise of physical pleasure. He left it all, not because he was scared of Pharaoh, but because, as our text says this morning, he saw him who is invisible. Faith's eyes saw what the physical eye is incapable of seeing. Moses wasn't focused on the present glories the pleasures available to him, though he could see them all around him. He was focused on the promises of God, the invisible truth that had not yet come to pass. He was focused on the faith of his fathers, a faith that had, that had let him look past the physical realities of his current situation to see the invisible realities of his promised future. And this faith gave him Courage. It gave him courage to offend Pharaoh. It gave him courage to leave his comfy and privileged lifestyle and instead live the life of a shepherd. His faith gave him the courage he would need to eventually deliver his people from the slavery that bound them in Egypt. What a story. Isn't it crazy to think that Israel's deliverance began with an obscure couple believing God in the midst of darkness? Their faith gave them the courage to respond to God's direction in their life in spite of the pain that was promised, the hurt that was all but guaranteed, and the darkness that was all around them. How are we doing with that? How are we doing with that? As much as I didn't like the cowardly lion in my childhood, I can certainly relate to him now. I want to have courage in the face of the opposition or in situations that I know that God has put me in that I might share his love with my neighbor, my friend, or a stranger on the bus. But man, I'm scared. I want courage, but I can't. I can't seem to find it. 
And so I'm ashamed in my lack of courage. I feel like a failure. And so I wander down the yellow brick road hoping to find a wizard who can unlock my courage. I may not be heading to the Emerald City, but instead I I read a few self-help books or listen to a couple podcasts about how to feel more confident in myself. Maybe I take a speech class that, that helps me with my breathing and my cadence so that I won't talk too fast as my nerves get to me. I look all over for help, for answers, for ways to improve myself, ashamed of the cowardly lion that I feel like I have become. And yet if I followed that story all the way through, I would realize that I can be encouraged and not discouraged by the same truth that the cowardly lion realized in the story of the Wizard of Oz. That the courage is already inside us. The metal that said courage on it that the wizard gave to him didn't imbue the cowardly lion with courage. Just like reading books, taking classes, and listening to podcasts will not suddenly give us courage. He realized that even though he was scared sometimes, even though he didn't always act the way that he wanted to, his courage was a part of him, was already inside him. And it is the same for us. For the courage that the parents of Moses, his older sister Miriam, and Moses himself expressed was all rooted in their faith. The same faith that is rooted in those who believe today. It is their faith that gave them courage. It is their faith that enabled them to do the wonderful things that they did. And it is faith that gives us courage today. It's not books, podcasts, conventions, practice, or talent. It's faith. It's faith. Let us rest in our faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ. Our faith that he was who he said he was. That he did what he said he did. And that he will do what he said that he will do. Our faith that he was the son of God, fully man and fully God. That he experienced all the temptations and struggles that we face in our lives today. But that instead of giving in to them, he resisted them perfectly. And even though he lived a sinless, perfect life. But because of his great love for us, he allowed himself to die in our place on the cross. So that through faith in him we could be covered by him. So that when the Father looks at us, he is pleased with us, for he sees not our filthy, sinful lives, but the righteousness that we have been given through faith in Jesus. And so, because of Jesus, we have a right standing with God. And we will spend eternity in heaven with him, worshiping him, and experiencing life as God intended life to be experienced, sinless, Painless, full of joy and purity. This is the faith that we rest in. This is the faith that gives us courage. For it is not about us. It is about Him. And yet none of us can walk in the courage that faith gives us perfectly.
This same Moses that is celebrated for his courage in our text this morning is the one who was too scared to return home, even though it was God himself talking through a burning bush that was giving him directions. Like the cowardly lion, though I may have courage within me, it doesn't always manifest when I want it to. Sometimes I fail. But when I am failing, I'm focusing on me. I'm, focus- I'm not focusing on Jesus. I'm not looking at the author and the perfecter of my faith. When I am failing, when I am not walking in the courage that faith gives me, it is often because I am worried about the optics. What are people going to think? How, how is this going to be perceived? What will my friends say? What will my boss say? What will my family say? The fear of the world can outweigh the courage that faith gives me because I let it. Because I focus on me, because I focus on how this will affect me. And there is forgiveness for that. There is forgiveness for not resting in faith's courage. Maybe... You are sitting here today ashamed of the times that you haven't spoken up to a friend, to a family member, to someone you met in line at Stop and Shop that you felt God nudging you to tell about his great love for them. Or maybe you're sitting here because you didn't, you didn't have the courage to say no to sin that you were pressured into participating in, whether you were pressured by friends peers, co-workers, or your own sinful nature is besides the point. If you are sitting there wrestling with your cowardice, please hear this clearly this morning. You are forgiven. You are forgiven for your cowardice. You are forgiven for your sin. God loves you and he cares for you. And he sent Jesus to make it right so that he could have a relationship with you. And by the power of the blood of Jesus, you are forgiven. God still wants you to talk to your neighbor. He still wants you to proclaim his love for your neighbor, for your friend, for your family, for your enemy. He still wants you to resist sin in all of its forms. And though this is his desire for us, he still forgives us for our failings. So as we continue in this walk of faith, let us rest in our faith. Let us rest in the courage that faith provides. Let us lean into the cross. Let us see past the physical world and look with our eyes of faith to the invisible. Let us rest in the promises that are yet to be fulfilled. Let us find our courage outside ourselves. Let us find our courage in faith. Let us find our courage in Jesus. What a wonderful, fantastic, and amazing God we serve. Amen.